Hey church family, welcome back to another Leroy UMC podcast. This week's theme, John the Elder was a church leader writing in the age of deep division and polarization. In this age of enemies and misunderstanding, John centers his audience on the one thing they knew for certain, God's love for each of them. That is the beginning of faith. Every one of us is loved. All other debates, disagreements, and issues come second. Let's send it over to Pastor Matthias. Oh, friends, this morning we are starting a new worship series together. Uh, we are, again, beyond thankful to all of, our, all of our speakers, all of our preachers from uh, the great banquet series that we've had this summer. Uh, it is, I am especially thankful. It's been wonderful having uh, someone else give the message as James... Um, as James teaches Emma and I, that it's fun to be awake at night, and that's a great time to party. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we are starting a new series this morning as we head into the fall, uh, and it is called Common Ground. Um, and basically, the, the idea of the series is that, well, it, it's, it, it's no secret that we're living in somewhat divisive or intensive times. That's nothing new in human history, and it certainly isn't new in the world of the Bible. So over the next few weeks, we'll be taking a look at different divisions in the Bible and wrestling with different biblical writers and how they responded to different opinions, different views, different divisions of all kind. Uh, and as we start out this morning, we are starting with the letter of 1 John. It's a classic passage, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12, and then 19 to 21. Friends, listen now for the word of the Lord. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. We love because He first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate a brother or sister are liars. Those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Friends, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, please pray with me. Lord of truth, if this message speaks your truth, then let it resonate with someone here and be remembered. But Lord, if this message does not speak your truth, then let it be forgotten in an instant. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. 
When Emma and I lived in New Jersey, we went to a little Methodist church where the minister would begin worship every single Sunday in the most obnoxious way. Every Sunday morning, before, before any praise songs were sung or before any prayers were said, the minister would stand up, would greet everyone, welcome them to worship, and then, doing his best to make eye contact with as many people as he could, he would say, and remember, you are loved and you are enough. And it wasn't so much the words he said as the way he said it. He would say it with so much emphasis and with so much excitement some Sunday mornings that it was almost like Jack Nicholson saying it, saying, remember, you are loved and you are enough. That is the world's worst Jack Nicholson impersonation, but yet, hopefully you get the idea. And after a while, it really did start to become kind of silly, having an overly dramatic, you are loved and you are enough, every single Sunday, 52 Sundays a year, or a year for four years. To this day, hear somebody say you are loved in a movie or a television show, we can't not look at each other and whisper, and you are enough. <laughs> but the thing is, Emma and I lived in New Jersey from 2015 till 2019. And it was during those four years that things started to become a bit more divisive in our culture. It was in those four years that we noticed the rhetoric on TV started to become a little bit sharper, noticed certain celebrities becoming more extreme in their stances, watched as debates over certain issues became a lot more heated, and watched as us and them language slowly made its way from television into people's living rooms. And as our culture became more and more divided and the issues became more and more extreme, those opening words to worship became less and less silly and more and more essential, even prophetic sometimes. There were some weeks when I'm pretty sure those opening words were the most important part of the worship service for some people who were there. Every single week, no matter what arguments we had seen on TV, what angry posts we had read on social media, what heated disputes we had gotten into with our classmates, our neighbors, our friends, with our family members, no matter what divisions we had felt that week from the increasingly broken world around us, every single week, we were told that we were welcome in God's house, and every single week someone looked us in the eye and said with absolute certainty that you are loved and you are more than enough to be loved. Every single week worship began with an unconditional reminder of God's unconditional love because every single week we were reminded that God's love comes first. Everything else 
comes after that. More than just the opinion of my very eccentric pastor from New Jersey, that was also the conclusion that the author of 1 John reached all the way back in the first century. Now, contrary to popular assumptions, 1 John probably wasn't written by the disciple John. The best that we can tell is that the letters of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John were most likely written by someone we know only as the elder, who was a leader in the church family that we think the disciple John founded in Ephesus. We don't know a whole lot about him other than we know that he referred to himself as the elder, and we know that the elder sat down in order to write about a crisis going on in his church family, namely division. You see, far from being a community of perfect disciples, united in crystal clear, harmonious beliefs, the early church was a mess, plagued by all kinds of disagreements, factionalism, and even splinter groups. There were the Montanists, who were followers of a man who claimed that he was the mouthpiece of God, who had the truth and the answers. There were Gnostics who said that they alone had secret knowledge of salvation Jesus had given to the disciples. There were Marcionites, Deceticists, Adoptionists, Valentinians, Donatists. The list goes on and on. Each group convinced that they were right, that they had the solution, and that if you weren't one of them, then you were the problem. And in this age of division and very intense rhetoric, the elder found himself, or herself possibly, dealing with the aftermath of a church split. In 1 John, the elder talks about some kind of a group who went out from us and who left because they somehow denied that Jesus is the Christ. We don't know what that splinter group might have believed, but we know that the elder couldn't stand them. All throughout 1 John, the elder challenges just about everything this group thought and everything they argued, was opposed to just about everything they were trying to do. They saw eye to eye on almost nothing. But the incredible thing is that for all their different social, political, religious aisles that they stood on different sides of, in the end, their differing views isn't the real problem that the elder has with this group. Instead, the real issue for the elder isn't that this group sees things differently, but that this group had become so caught up in the hot-button issues of the day and so swept up in their crusades that they had forgotten the one thing that comes first. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. 
That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That right there, verses 7 through 9, is the cornerstone of our faith and is the one indisputable fact that the elder could point to at a time when everything seemed up for debate. The fact that God loves you completely and without reservation is the beginning and the end of any conversation about what it means to be a Christian and the one fact that takes precedence over every other issue. Think about it this way. If faith is a relationship, then it's a relationship that doesn't start when we call out to God or when we figure things out. In fact, it doesn't start with us at all. It begins when God first tells us before we are even aware of it, I made you, I know you, I love you. It's true, there are all kinds of problems and questions that come after that. There are all sorts of very complex issues that our faith raises, and the fact that God loves us doesn't mean that it's anything goes. But if there is anything that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ proves without a shadow of a doubt, it's that all those issues and questions come second. As Paul maybe put it best in Romans 5, God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Stop and think about that. What is, a, what is and isn't a sin? What is and isn't right? Who is and isn't right? What's true or false? None of it could stop God from literally dying to love us. As the elder puts it in verse 10 in his letter, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. God loves you first. Everything else comes after. And in that ancient society of very polarizing issues of extreme stances, public protests, and all kinds of rhetoric, the elder banks everything on that one absolute conviction that God loves you. Therefore, you must find a way to love one another. That's the secret to understanding the elder's entire theology in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Loving one another is the elder's litmus test for what is or isn't true because whoever does not love does not know God. Loving one another becomes the way we experience God because... If we love one another, God abides in us. But most importantly, most important for the elders' divided church and most important for us in our divided society is the fact that our love for one another has to include every one of us, regardless of the issues we fight over regardless of sin and regardless of who may or may not be right. That's the real problem the elder had with that unknown group that left his church. It 
wasn't that they disagreed with him or that they had different ideas. It's that they lost the ability to talk with brothers across the aisle, stopped caring for sisters who might have believed a little bit differently and walked away from people that God called his children because they forgot that the real good news of our faith is that God's love doesn't just come first, but it comes to them too. No matter what arguments we see on television, what posts we read on social media, or what heated debates we get into with our neighbors, our friends, our family, no matter what divisions we experience in a very broken world, every single week we all need someone to look us in the eye and remind us with emphasis and with certainty that in God's eyes you are loved and you are already more than worthy enough to be loved. Especially coming out of COVID, so many people nervous or anxious about leaving the house, especially right now with so much toxic news and harmful posts. There are so many people, not just in this world, but people in this community who so desperately need to be reminded that they matter, that God cares, that Christ is dying to love them, whoever they are, whatever they're going through, whatever they're facing. I have gotten emails and messages from folks in our area asking, would I be welcome in your church? Where does Jesus stand on this or that? What does God think about me? There are so many people right now who need to hear the good news that God's love for them is where the conversation starts. Everything else is important, but everything else comes after that. So over the next couple days and over the next few weeks, you are going to start seeing little reminders of God's love in this community. You're going to start seeing posters in business windows, seeing yard signs in neighborhoods, even maybe seeing banners on the side of the road that all say, whoever you are, God loves you, and that all have Leroy United Methodist Church written in the bottom corner. Because not only is God's love where our faith begins, but that is where the conversation of faith starts for this church family. We are a diverse congregation. There are no two brothers or sisters in this room who see eye to eye on any given issue, and that is one of this church family's strengths because it shows that faith does not begin with our views or when we get it right or when we get it wrong. Faith doesn't begin with us Faith begins when God first tells each and every one of us, I made you, I know you, I love you. We aren't perfect, and I'll admit we don't always live up to that ideal. There are times when we might fail to take a chance and greet a visitor that we see, or when we avoid 
talking to someone in Fellowship Hall or when we make a Facebook post that goes a bit too far. We are not perfect, but whoever we are and whoever you are, God's love comes first. That is the vision of this church family, to be Christ's hands and Christ's family by the way we love one another with unconditional grace. We pray that every Sunday morning for a reason, and that is the good news that we are out to share with every single person in this difficult time, with posters and ads and bumper stickers and banners and yard signs and whatever else we can think of, fireworks if it will work. We are out to share the good news that whoever you are, whatever you think, whatever you're going through, whatever you've done, whatever sins you carry, whatever you believe, whoever you are, God loves you. And you are welcome in God's house. Everything else has to come after that because God's love for you is the common ground that no division can ever wash away. So whoever you are and whatever you might be going through this week or this morning, remember you are loved and you are enough. Now go and tell them that. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, please pray with me. God, our Maker and our Redeemer, we worship you because in you we are loved and we are already enough. Lord, no matter what we hear or see in this world, no matter how furious and upset others might make us, no matter harsh and hurtful other people's words may feel, God, let us never forget that we are your beloved. We are your children, and in Christ Jesus, we are your hands, and we get to be your family. God, give us the strength to hold on to your love for us, and give us the conviction, the confidence, and the determination to remind every one of your children around us of your love for them, so that we and they might all of us find the life that you are dying to give us. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Again, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you are blessed and that you are a blessing. Go in peace.